Welcome to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. This is Renee Frazier. I'm a social psychologist and an entrepreneur running an advertising and marketing firm. We've been communicating about causes and about the importance of health issues for over 20 years now. You'll know Fraser Communications if you've seen the Talk, Read, Sing campaign. That's our statewide effort for First Five California, focused on parents with children under the age of five to stress the importance of talking, reading, and singing because it builds children's brains. Actually, 90% of the brain is physically grown by the age of five, and that comes a lot from talking and listening, children hearing words, whether it's through singing, it's reading, it's talking to them. It builds synapses in the brain. And the more you repeat those words, many of you know, kids love to hear the same stories and the same rhymes over and over again. It actually strengthens the synapses. It builds vocabulary and it builds a love for books, which helps them when they start to read. And as many of you probably know, reading by third grade is a great indication of childhood success and children's success, grown-up success, whether you'll graduate high school, go on to college, Two last facts I'll end with, and then we'll get right to our issues today. We know that uh, if kids do not read by the age of three, the increase in teenage pregnancy and incarceration, the increase in the likelihood is very high. And the last thing is when they graduate high school and go to college, they are likely to earn a million dollars more over a lifetime. So you can give your child the gift of that money by talking, reading, and singing, and getting them prepared for, for prepared for reading. So, what are we about here today? As we know, the Dr. Renee show is about how we can help women lead and achieve its success. We are talking in uh, the month of March with a lot of women who are change makers, agents who are working hard to promote change and to advocate for women. I'm a big believer that as women change the patterns of thinking in corporations and business, we get positive outcomes. The more women who lead, the more we will be successful as a, as a culture and as a community and certainly globally. We need that help more than ever. Today, I have a guest on the show who has actively been a change agent and experienced so much in her own life. I think you'll find her conversation inspiring and purposeful. As you know, I try to focus on this show on practical things we can do, tips we can learn to make ourselves better, to help us lead and succeed. Today on this show, I have Alyssa Fisher-Harris. Alyssa has a fascinating background. She's an impact strategist, a consultant in that area with her own business, a host, an activist, and an advocate. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you, Dr. Frazier, for having me today. It's an honor. Please call me Renee. I'm delighted to have you here. You got it. (laughs) Alyssa, I'd love to talk about uh, your background and what led you to create what I I think is a wonderful platform and company, a media company called A World on Purpose, like A World on Fire. So Mm -hmm. tell us your personal history, what led up to that. Sure. Um, Well, it's kind of this crazy life story. No one would know it looking at me um, because, uh, you know, I'm a white female and people often think that because I've taken such good care of myself in my later years that I grew up in a, in a very um, privileged way, but oftentimes they're surprised to find out. And when I've spoken at schools and other places in the, in the, in the uh, communities that I've been doing impact work in, 
everyone realizes that we all have a story and we all have something that we wouldn't know about each other unless we shared that. So my background is kind of this tumultuous situation that my mother, unfortunately, was an undiagnosed schizophrenic. My father struggled with alcohol and drug addiction because of that situation and was unable to, to keep a stable job pretty much my entire childhood. So um, because of her dementia and the way that she couldn't really care for herself, he um, we were homeless on and off for the first 13 years of my life, the majority of my childhood, really between the ages of five and 13. Goodness. After yeah. After my brother was born and it was very, very difficult, um, living in cars, motels, most of my childhood shelters, a few times, um, I can count on my hands. The few times we actually had uh, an apartment and most of the time it wasn't a great one. It was maybe, you know, low income housing with very little furniture, but there were a couple of moments where, you know, my mom would have a moment of reprieve in her mind and um, my family would be able to help my grandparents. And maybe we had an apartment with a nice, nice furniture for once. But mm -hmm. the part of it that was so difficult was it was very short lived. And mm -hmm. so it was this constant, you know, shoe dropping syndrome of is is something bad going to happen? Um, my parents had me when they were 20, very young. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we think we know a lot in our 20s, but we really don't. Mm -hmm. And because of that experience, I remember specifically a really significant moment. Um, this was in Denver, by the way, Colorado, all over the state of Colorado. We moved from community to community trying to find help wherever we could. Um, and I remember sleeping in a car behind a 7-Eleven uh, and a liquor store combined in this like half light flashing liquor. And we were it was very cold. It was snowing. And my parents were asleep in the front seat and the engine was running and I was holding my brother. And I remember watching the cigarette smoke kind of like whirl up into the sky thinking at eight years old, I, I never want anyone to know what it feels like to be hungry, invisible, unloved, you know, uncertain. Mm -hmm. And that's when I sort of realized that, that my life's journey, even that early was to do what I could to help other people, um, you know, wow. in any way I could, which sort of led to my purpose-driven life. Wow. Wow. Alyssa, my, my hats off to you for overcoming all of that. You know, one of the things I've talked about before on the show is what's called ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, mm. cause a lot of trauma and can have repercussions throughout your life. Some negative, obviously, in terms of health and, and mental health. Um, may I ask, uh, before we get into uh, your purpose-driven life, which I think is important, are you still in touch with your mom? So my mom passed away uh, back in 2002. Um, I'm still obviously in contact with my father and my brother. Um, my I had to leave home at 13 because it was just too um, dangerous for me. My mom was unfortunately not in a good place and physically at that point abusive. And so I was either going to run away, um, which I told my father. We were at a Motel 6 in Santa Rosa, California. Wow. And uh, or I realized that my aunt um, who was the only relative my mom felt like in her state was safe person in our family. Uh -huh. I knew she, I knew she lived somewhere in California. We had migrated to California at that point. We're here for a year, but I didn't know where she was. And so I asked my father if, if he would please call her and maybe she would let me come stay there and work on their farm. I thought they had a farm, but it turned out they were book publishers. So it was called the book farm. Ah. Um, yeah. And a few days later, my aunt showed up and came and got me. And so wow. I, I left my nuclear family, uh, to go live with extended family. And from that moment, put myself through college. I worked all through high school 
And uh, I kept obviously in touch with my family, but it took a lot of therapy and a lot of work to overcome all that trauma. And the irony I want to share with you, Renee, is that I thought my father had advocated for me for the first time, which I'm sure he would have because he did the best he could to cope. Um, it turned out my mom, I found out when I was 21, that my mother was the one who actually called my aunt and said, can you please come get Alyssa? She's not safe here. And in a moment of clarity, yeah, in her illness, she protected me, which most of the time I never felt. And that's the thing that is so sad about mental illness is we have such a stigma around it and we vilify people who have it and it's a disease. Um, and so we need to do what we can to bring awareness to that and know that they're human beings and they, Absolutely. they struggle. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm sure you cherish that with your mom. I mean, what a wonderful thing that she did for you. Mm-hmm. And I understand at 13, you're very vulnerable and I'm uh, glad you were able to find another place. And I, uh, and your aunt shook you in. I, thank goodness. I, I, you know, with that kind of trauma, many people would fall into other issues. They would, uh, unfortunately, drug abuse, you know, alcohol, uh, uh, other things that uh, uh, make you feel wanted and make you feel safe and make you feel needed. Those come into play. I think in our next section, I'd like you to talk about how you turned the trauma and the adversity into a positive thing mm-hmm. and maybe share with us, was it tempting to fall into those other areas? I Probably you saw the worst of it. So maybe that was a negative mm-hmm. and, and a reason to run away from it. For, for other people, it can be a reason. Uh, we did uh, groups with young people about cannabis and we heard that, you know, family members were using it all the time. And even though they were underage, it seemed like the right thing to do. And sometimes you mimic the behavior around you. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk more about that. You're listening to the Renee Frazier show, Dr. Renee Frazier. We're talking about uh, how we can be stronger and empower ourselves through purpose. We're speaking with Alyssa Fisher Harris, who's an impact strategist and has really lived this life of purposeness purposefulness. So stay tuned to learn about her story, how she was able to do this and practical tips we can all use to find our purpose in our lives. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. On this show, we address issues, obstacles, and challenges women face, as well as solutions, tactics, things we can do to be stronger, to lead and succeed. Today we have on the show, Alyssa Fisher Harris, who has a, had a very strong adverse background, a lot of adversity, a lot of trauma in her life, but has pulled it out to create an amazing media platform called A World on Purpose. But today, right now we're gonna be talking about how she faced that adversity and did she succumb as many of us do uh, to numbing that pain? Alyssa, you told us about leaving your family at 13 after being unhoused and uh, living on this roller coaster, as you said, the shoe dropping on a regular basis. Uh, Tell me, were you tempted at all to turn to alcohol, to drugs, or did you somehow find the inner strength? No, Renee, you know, it's so funny watching my father, I think, struggle with substance abuse. It it was so in my face. And um, that was not something that I ever felt a draw to at all. I never felt uh, a draw to drugs, alcohol, any kind of substances. I also, for some reason, I don't know why, and people ask me this all the time, 
I maintained this ability to have faith in the human race and love people, mm. um, which I don't know where that came from in, intrinsically inside me. But if there was one thing that I did succumb to, I think it was, in all honesty, feeling so unstable, so unloved, so unworthy. I, as I got older and started getting in relationships uh, with people or with men, even at work, you know, I found myself allowing myself to be in toxic types of relationships, you know, that classic toxic word. Yes. I don't even know if we're using that anymore, but almost like repeating the abuse and not allowing myself to be okay because, and I didn't know how to get myself out of it for the longest time until I, until I started doing therapy and meditation and yoga and all these other things. But that's probably the, the thing that I succumbed to. Sadly, uh, you know, many of us who live in abusive relationships, um, you know, I grew up uh, with an alcoholic father and he was very mean to my mom. And I got used to that. I got used to it. I married into a relationship where that was common with my husband. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was the way marriage was. Wow. Um, that was for a long time, unfortunately, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, if, you know, as you said, you get accustomed to that. And, and there's a lot of research that shows that children that are abused become abusers themselves. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it becomes associated with love. But in your case, tell us more about these relationships, because you were seeking affection and love. And sometimes they were not the best people to do that, it sounds like. Right, right. And let me be clear. Somehow I luckily managed to not get anyone that I would date or that I would be with that physically hurt me. It was more emotional, um, emotional, psychological abuse or withdrawal, like emotionally unavailable. So to the point where I was just craving please love me, please love yes, me, please. you know, and I'll do anything to make you love me. Right. And, and, yeah. and again, even in the workplace, like, you know, where you compromise your own self and your own beliefs or your own values, not, not in a way that I did anything wrong, but just like not standing up for what you knew was wrong or not, not doing something. And it, it stopped magically. Um, when I met my first husband, um, and he was the most wonderful person ever. And the first person that I really felt like saw me because, you know, I also struggle with body image issues that maybe I, I had some in a, at the time, um, I had had some health issues also. So I had gained some weight and I felt, you know, again, that it increases it even more. you feel unlovable. You feel right. You know, all those things. And he was so amazing and his family welcomed me into their lives like the family I had always wanted. And not that I don't love my own family. I want to make that clear. I do. They, they did the best they could. Um, but they really represented something I'd always dreamed about having. And so that's when that switch flipped. And then we'll talk about it, I guess, more later in the show. But he passed from cancer after we had gotten married. We'd been together for a total of eight years by the time he passed, but we were only married for a year and a half. And then when he died, it was almost like that slap in the face of you got what you wanted, but now it was taken away. Shoe dropped. And I started yes. repeating the pattern all over again yes. of picking the same kind of situations that weren't great. And then I, I'm just like, even now, you know, getting to the age of 52, finally getting it like, no, this is not okay. And here's how you stop doing that. Alyssa, you know, it, it's so wonderful that you're revealing so much and your vulnerability. <clears throat> One of the things I want to pause and mention is on our show, we've talked a lot about advocating for yourself. We've talked about equity and pay and equity and work conditions. And I'm always saying, you know, speak up, go to HR, ask for uh, information and change, uh, be bold and be strong. But 
I have to remember that not everybody has that within them, right? And there are good reasons for that. Uh, they doubt their own uh, capability. They don't. They lack the confidence. They have other issues they're dealing with. It's not mm-hmm. always as easy as it sounds. So I just right. want to acknowledge that. Well, tell Thank us, you. how did you get started on impact? You said at eight years old, you realized you wanted to make sure no one else experienced homelessness and the and the violence you had seen or this bad situations. Right. The rest of that story. And, and we'll, we'll return to what happened with your husband early uh, in a little while. Okay. Yeah. So w- when I realized that, and obviously I had several more years before I could get out of the situation. Um, and it was interesting at the beginning, you mentioned books and song and how important that is to, to the development of yourself. So um, my aunt never knew really where we were in the world. She just knew that she'd get these random calls from my mom. And, and ironically, she would send books because she was a book publisher to me, uh-huh. general delivery post office to Alyssa. And I would read and travel and learn through books. And I also loved music and I would sing and I would find my voice that way to kind of soothe my soul. So what I learned was early on, like traveling and learning through books and seeing what other people had done and seeing, I didn't really have any role models. So that was what I learned through books and what I knew I wanted to do. When I got into college, I really realized that I started volunteering I started doing things in the community and I didn't even know what a strategist was, but early on in my twenties, I realized that I could put businesses together with nonprofits and create some kind of community event or something that would happen that would help lift each other up and draw each other's audiences and support each other. So I was always volunteering, whether it was for homelessness or child abuse or going and speaking at schools or, you know, doing what I could for the environment or things that I was passionate about. Um, That's where my impact kind of work started, but it was a personal mission. And then as I started working in jobs, I started out as a wellness, um, I, I got certified as a um, um, wellness coach and a, and a personal trainer as a way to put myself through school. It became a health thing because I didn't have great health growing up. And then it kind of moved into this area that I didn't even know existed at the time, which was social impact. Like how can we inside companies start to get companies excited about partnering with, you know, big brands, partnering with organizations. And this was way early cause marketing. And then I was hired um, about 15, 16, 17 years ago, I can't remember exactly, by this amazing company that had been doing that work. And I learned a lot inside that company on what was early cause marketing and then just started learning how to do it. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't go to school for marketing. I didn't go to school for any of that stuff. And hence the imposter syndrome. I learned everything on the fly. Um, right. But that's you did a great job. I, I want to talk about imposter syndrome because I have that too. Okay. You know, you walk into a room, you're going to be a part of a, I'm part of a, a group called the International Women's Forum, which is oh. a wonderful international group of women who are incredible, you know, governors, astronauts, uh, authors, et cetera. And I was wow. invited to be a part of that group. I cannot tell you, I kept my eyes down. I felt, I wow. thought I was blushing because I was so embarrassed to be a part of the, I didn't think I fit. You know, wow. I really felt like an imposter. Now, I've come to be a part of the group, and the group is so amazing. They accept you no matter who you are. There's just an assumption that you're one of them. And we, as women often do, we quickly get to the core, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a grandmother. I'm a business owner. I love women, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been accepted into the group. But I have to say, imposter syndrome is a real phenomena where you don't feel like you fit. And it may mean you don't go to something or you don't join. Mm -hmm. Did it hold you back in any way? Absolutely. It did. It took years for me to understand that that safe, taking that safe step of putting yourself out there 
and then thinking you're comparing yourself to others. And I take it a step further. It's not even just imposter syndrome. I also call it comparative success syndrome. Like you're comparing your level of success to someone else. Well, I may have done this little thing, but I didn't do what that person did. Right. And, and yeah, it, I did hold myself back for years until I finally shared the experience, um, actually to a men's organization, but there were women in the room at the time, uh, it was called metal international. And I was invited to come speak about imposter syndrome because I started realizing what I call it, taking the imposter syndrome and turning it into your superpower instead right. of your weakness, because you could, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's thought this, but if you look at it that way, then it, it makes you realize that that's the thing that drives you to succeed instead of this weakness that everyone's going to find out. And I was, the people in the room were like the founder of Atari and, <laughs> you know, people who like were 70 something years old said men were like, I didn't know anyone else felt this way. I felt this way my whole life. And it made me feel validated. And they were, they were so pleased with the, with the talk. So yes, I, it held me back, but then I started realizing, and I still struggle with it. Like you, I'm amazed that you do too. Is that always blows oh, me away? Definitely. You know, but I think talking about it is a great way to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the pieces of advice we give to our listeners is don't be afraid to share your vulnerabilities. And this imposter syndrome is a real phenomenon for women and for men, more prevalent among women. Mm-hmm. Men have been taught to fake it till you make it. And mm-hmm. that's a phrase we all hear. And I've used it. That's that's what you have to talk yourself into. But you've <laughs> got to you've got to. Uh, Uh, Go through that with strength and with confidence. And by talking about it and talking to yourself about it, uh, you can make it through. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been learning so much from you, Alyssa. I want the listeners to know you're listening to the Dr. Renee Fraser Show as we talk about why women, in this case, why women feel certain ways and obstacles that get in the way as they try to lead and succeed. We're speaking with Alyssa Fisher-Harris, who's an impact strategist. She shared with us the hard time she's been through and most recently her dealing with and my dealing with imposter syndrome. In the next segment, let's talk about how she's brought purpose into her life and how the rest of us can do that. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to convert your entire life uh, to purpose as she's done, but we'll learn the tricks and the ways we might in fact find our own purpose. Stay tuned on the Renee Frazier Show. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. We're talking with Alyssa Fisher-Harris, who's an impact strategist. And this theme of this show has really been, how do we help other women be inspired to lead and succeed, even when we come uh, from a lifetime of trouble, adversity, and trauma? Alyssa shared with us in the beginning her story, and now she is really focused on a purpose-driven life. Alyssa, Let's talk about how that can be accomplished for people. I think it sounds good and and living with intention is something I hear a lot about, but tell me what it really means on a practical basis. Right. So, you know, all the years that I've been doing this work, um, I came across all these incredible people that were living with the same ethos, this idea of doing something greater than yourself. Um, obviously to do something good for, for others is important because you want to contribute to society and, and, you know, give people the resources they need to succeed, but also the idea of doing something with the intention of that on purpose, 
uh, is that it does something really good for your soul. And that's one of the reasons why I started a world on purpose as a podcast, because I wanted to share those stories similar to what you're doing here around the people that made that specific moment in their life. Maybe it was one moment or a couple, I call a pivot to purpose when they realized, ah, I want to leverage my life, my networks, my, my resources to doing something greater than themselves. And by doing that, um, you literally can rebuild, almost reprogram your brain away from adversity and trauma. I mean, even Harvard Business Review did research on the science behind how doing something more purposeful and meaningful brings greater meaning to your life, your, your mind, your relationships, just everything in general, and just like mindfulness does. Um, and so with that, the idea is living with the, with the intention of doing something greater than yourselves, making that conscious decision to evaluate and say, you know what? Am I happy in my life? Um, if I am, maybe I love my job. I love my relationships. I love what I'm doing, but maybe there's what one little thing that feels like it might be missing. What might that be? And maybe that means I should do something to help someone else. And that could be doing something on a huge, large scale, like starting a company, like a lot of my guests have done, and they have this great, massive impact to scale or doing something for one person in your community, right? All it takes is one thing. A one act of kindness is not a cliche. It's real. And yeah, totally real, totally real. Alyssa, one of the things I uh, serve as a mantra is I try to do one nice thing every day for another mm -hmm. person. It may mean just holding the door. It mm -hmm. might mean calling someone I know who's alone. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it may mean, you know, texting a few of my employees to see how they're doing and talk about their pets. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to go out of your way to make it a part of your day. Otherwise, you wait for it to come to you and it may not come. And you mm -hmm. imagine if you did that every day, that could be 225 things you've done in a year if it's every workday and hopefully on the weekend. I, I think the other thing is there are some easy steps. I, you know, I work with the Red Cross on a volunteer mm -hmm. basis and organizing a blood drive, donating blood, which we really need right now mm -hmm, during mm -hmm. this COVID period. There are small things you can do. And I've experienced what you've said about the Harvard Business Review. And uh, I've read this as well. You feel better inside. Absolutely. I think those endorphins get going and kick in and and you feel good for a while. And, and uh, it's important to deliberately do it, as you're saying, right, with intention. Absolutely. And, and you need to do it deliberately for yourself. And then when that translates later into the discussion we'll have around businesses taking this step into doing social impact and purpose, it's, it's real. It's doing it because you genuinely want to be part of the solution and not because you're just good washing because you think you should or you have to. You want to feel that. I know it's supposed to be altruistic to want to do something to help other people, but there's something there's something to the fact that it does something for you and your there's spirit. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. Uh, and, I, you know, in, in the world we're in now with Gen Z and our millennials, mm -hmm. they are very idealistic, more power to them. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Companies need to think about what's our purpose, what's mm -hmm. our nobler cause and articulate that. You know, Simon Sinek is a well-known business guru yes. who talks about the golden circle, mm -hmm. right? The why, not just the what and the how. Mm -hmm. And a company has to think about their why and how can that why be expressed in a gift back to the community? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how companies can do this. You've done this for companies. Give us some examples. Yeah. So just as a quick um, intro to that, you know, especially what's happened in the last two years, it was starting anyway, earlier before the COVID, before pandemic and everything that happened the last couple of years around the world uh, with social justice uh, and everything else. 
Um, brands are being held accountable more than ever to be part of the solution and to put a tent pole in the ground. Like, what do you really stand for? And how can you help these situations? Because their consumers are asking for it. Their customers are asking for it and their employees are asking for it. They want to be intrinsically part of that solution too, so that they can feel like the company they work for is, is it, they're proud of it. You know, not that they weren't before, but they're even more proud of it. How does that impact their work performance and all those things? So examples, um, I was with an amazing partnership. I have since, as you mentioned, ventured out on my own with a world on purpose consulting and media, but I was really blessed um, after working inside companies and outside companies, I was part of an impact um, accelerator and consulting firm called Fifth Element Group for about three years. And um, interestingly enough, I was the only executive woman on the team. Uh, we had one, a, another woman, on, two other women on the team that were just so wonderful. Uh, these young ladies that I felt excited to be, um, have part of my world. Um, but there were six men and myself and mm -hmm. the most pure hearted, intentional, good humans that I've ever worked with in my life all came from different backgrounds. Some came from nonprofit uh, organizations. Some came from family office. Some came from brands. Some came from entrepreneurship. And we all brought a unique perspective and skill set. And what we did was, is we came alongside brands, donors, impact investors, people who wanted to amplify the impact they were trying to make in the world. And we created these strategies, whether it was uh, what we called a good exchange, which was a campaign around how do you unlock funding with a call to action of some kind, um, like a marketing campaign, or we did one of our strengths and my strengths is strategic partnership alliances. How can we bring in other partners that are aligning with your same mission and vision around the topic or the cause that you care about and grow that together so that you're growing each other's audiences, you're growing each other's reach, and you're supporting the mission in a much bigger way because we can't do this all by ourselves in a silo and have as much success as we'd like. Right. Um, one of the cool things we were a part of, which was so much fun, as I'm sure most people remember during the pandemic, John Krasinski, who uh, did some good news on YouTube. Yes. And yeah, we were very fortunate to be brought in to help bring in some really big brands like PepsiCo to help um, Guy Fiore go over the top for his restaurant relief fund. That was us that helped bring in those and then we also created the back-end store and e-commerce for the Some Good News uh, merchandising, and we're able to help facilitate how that worked. Uh, we worked with Starbucks. We worked with um, really wonderful organizations. Also, uh, a client of ours who I'm now on the board of is Women Connect for Good, Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, who you may have heard of. She also is about women's empowerment. Yes. We helped her, and I also got her nominated to uh, as, a, as an honoree before we went into the pandemic. Literally the week before we went into lockdown, she was one of the 2000, um, uh, what year was that? 2020. She was a 2020, um, honoree for the women's history museum and has since been very supportive of unlocking funds and supporting the, the, the work of the women's history museum, national women's history museum. So those are some of the examples of how we supported. We worked alongside the United nations. We did several events there. One was on international women's day where we launched something called decade of women. Um, we had a summit around a financial summit, um, Bain Capital and a bunch of family offices were involved. We've done stuff alongside the Nobel Peace Prize Forum, which was really fun. And a lot of stuff was our stuff was domestic and global. Wonderful. Really exciting and big names. I mm -hmm. think that's great. Uh, <clears throat> brands need to do this to strengthen their image, their brand reputation. One of the uh, brands that I've worked with and had on the show a couple of times is Aspiration Bank. Mm. And they're connected to planting trees. You give the, you put your money in their bank. It's all online. And the money is invested in only environmentally 
positive uh, companies and, and with positive environmental impact. And they're connected to that cause, but they haven't labeled it like with the Sierra Club. It sounds like you bring together brand names and causes, uh, and it includes celebrities. How, how important are each of those components to make something successful? Um, I think they're really important. And, and you know, celebrities obviously help too, but when you're able to mobilize communities, um, you're able to actually get a lot more traction, uh, not necessarily needing a celebrity, but if you're able to get different partners that I'm kind of like this business matchmaker in a way, like I intuitively know what brand will resonate with what organization will resonate with what vendor, what service that can really help resonate with each other and, and work together, not just because they have a pulse and you put them together and they all care about the same thing. Um, it, it is important, but you know, I, I, one of my clients right now is this amazing uh, company called countable.com based out of uh, San Francisco, uh, started by founder Bart Myers, who I just love. He was on my podcast. So if anyone wants to hear his story and he was in the tech world and he started having kids and he started realizing like, wow, how can I bring my knowledge in my business to create more impact in a, in a more meaningful way? And he realized very forward thinking the future of the, the adverse reaction that would eventually come to traditional social media methods. And he's now taken this opportunity and built this incredible platform that mobilizes communities in a first party owned data way in three verticals, consumer facing business, uh, consumer facing um, uh, employee engagement and uh, business development. And it's, it's just so cool because he's able to build these communities for brands that want to actually actively engage them in calls to action and have them communicate and have an immersive experience with each other. Alyssa, let's talk about this countable.com in our next segment. This is a really important uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Alyssa is talking about the fact that social media is fraught with issues, right? We're seeing the problems and the, the lack of privacy and the consternation over it. And of course, the issues that other people get to see what's going on. There is a need for a social contact with people, but it's in a safer place. Mm -hmm. And what she's talking about is a platform that gives you that opportunity to participate and to promote your causes without ads and not necessarily with a, uh, the giving away the data as is given away in Facebook and Instagram and, uh, and of course, even WhatsApp. So let's talk more about that, Alyssa, in our next session. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. We're talking about ways we can be empowered and inspired as women and as men. But Alyssa, as a woman, has really done this with purpose and intention. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. We're talking with Alyssa Fisher-Harris, who's a impact strategist. She's working with a company called Countable.com and meeting a need that I have seen with some of my clients where employees are feeling disassociated with the brand. They don't feel connected. Uh, And a lot of companies have ERG groups, employee resource groups, a chance for people to gather together who have something in common. Might be a women's ERG group or a LGBTQ ERG group. But uh, with the situation we're in virtually and the fact that people now work from all over the world, it's not possible necessarily to have these in-person meetings. And why not find a platform and a virtual space where you can come together? 
Alyssa, tell us more about Accountable.com. Uh, you talked about the fact that they're in, to give us again their mission and then the verticals they're in, and then we'll talk about an example. Yes. So Accountable.com, it can be hired by brands, um, nonprofits, anyone who wants to actually build their own community and own the interactions within that community. And so there's brand enthusiasts and then there's employee engagement. And what they do is they're just to give you an example of the, the magnitude, they were actually hired to run the Democratic National Convention where oh. everyone was being able to log in remotely, upload right. user-generated content, be part of the conversation, whether they were all over the country. Um, and Patagonia and Levi's hired them as well to run the Take Time to Vote campaign, which got 1,600 brands involved in this community of brands saying, give our employees the day off to vote. Let's do this collectively. It started out as a civic engagement platform. Um, initially to get people excited about policy and how to engage. And then it quickly moved into this opportunity where they thought, you know what? Brands are getting very frustrated with traditional social media. It's very negative. There's a lot of doom scrolling. It's not good for people's mental health and they don't own their own data and there's privacy issues. How can we do this for brands so that we can take this over and have them build their own backend platforms, um, which is what they've been doing. And it's very cool because there's a lot of different mechanisms uh, as a tech platform that allows uh, employee, whether it's employee engagement or community engagement, and then also to be able to have some digital media services alongside with that. So let me just talk to the listeners about what a platform is. So it's a protected space you could go into on your computer or on your phone. You have to sign in to be part of it. It's not open like Facebook is, and your mm -hmm. feed can be looked at by other people. And it's an environment where you can go in and you can be served up videos, information. You can probably go into private sessions with two or three fellow workers. You can sit through a webinar. Uh, tell us more about how it, 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 it becomes like a virtual world in a way, doesn't it? That's exactly right. And so you have this sort of mothership of the website in a way. And within that mothership, there are all these little, you can create different hubs. And so let's use uh, their client Starbucks, for example. Starbucks is global organization. And in today's world, especially, I mean, there were people working remotely before, but how do you create, as far as the employee engagement goes, a culture when you've got employees all over the world and not everyone sees each other all the time. This allows the opportunity to bring everyone together in a virtual space that allows people to share stories and engagement and inspiring and you know things that are happening in their own little geo-modified communities around the world. And then at the same time, you're able to engage them in taking specific actions. So if Starbucks had, a, had something they wanted to be a part of, whether it was raising money for an organization they cared about or maybe public policy that they wanted to be part of, they can engage that employee community to get involved and to share their experiences. And brands can do the same thing with this platform as opposed to what you'd be able to do on traditional social media. So you could create rooms for fans and you could ask, you could give them an assignment like we're going to name a new kind of Cheeto and we'd love to hear your name, is right? And Absolutely. You could use yeah. it for marketing reasons too, to, to, to do kind of focus groups. Um, you can definitely, it sort of allows you to have uh, multiple abilities to reach your audiences. And if you have multiple audiences, there are different ways to do that within the platform. Well, let's talk about how you use it for your podcast and talk a little bit about your podcast. Obviously, you broadcast on that platform, but do you have group rooms or hubs? How, do, how does well, it work? No. So, so it's very exciting. Um, you know, one of the things Countable was so good at was doing this for everyone else 
that they finally realized, hey, we need to tell our own story and how can we get people excited? And so uh, the founder loved my A World on Purpose podcast. He's been sharing it um, to his audience on uh, a platform called causes.com, which is they also own. And uh, we were getting a lot of engagement. And then they realized, you know, we would love to do something similar to what you're doing. My podcast is more about your personal purpose journey. We've launched what's called Impact All Stars, which is powered by Countable.com. And that's a new video series that is sort of a how-to tools, strategies, and tactics specifically of people that have been working in impact leaders that can share these strategies and tools that helped them create measurable success within their companies. And kind of like a thought leadership opportunity to give each other the advice and the, the wisdom that they needed when you're just feeling sometimes like, oh, this is such a lot of work. How can we do this together? Right, right. I, I think that's wonderful. I think it's a great place for people to be able to go to get inspired. And it's, a, it's amazing to me how many of these opportunities exist out in the world now. And mm -hmm. we talk about this virtual world. It's a little bit like what we hear in the meta space that we've been talking about as well. So definitely, um, I, I wish you great success with countable.com. How can people tune into your podcast? So you can find it at a world on um, which is very exciting. And I am also on LinkedIn, Alyssa Fisher Harris. So you can hit me up there or you can email to info at a world on purpose.com. I have um, 40 episodes that I have done and I'm very proud of it. And we're going into a, a new season this year. And then Impact All-Stars can be found on the countable.com website um, under Insights, the tab called Insights, and will be promoted on LinkedIn as well. That's great, great. Yeah. I, um, I'm writing these down so that I can go and, and look at these. I, I love to be inspired by others and um, I'd love to find women who've been able to accomplish a great deal. And I'm sure I'm gonna find many of them on, on uh, World of On Purpose, which is great. You yes. know, as we, as we end the show, Alyssa, let's think about advice we can give to our listeners. Um, you've been through a great deal of adversity. And I know I've had friends who've lost a child or had a terrible, terrible tragedy in their lives. You had the death of two husbands, as I understand it. What, able, what makes you pull yourself out of that? What advice do you give to people who've been through these kinds of experiences? I think, well, it really goes back to the idea of living with purpose. You know, I, whenever I'm feeling uh, low and believe me, I've had my dark night of the soul. I am not a Pollyanna. I've had a very difficult time. So I've, I've gone down on the floor uh, and cried myself into a puddle. Um, but you learn that when you do things for other people, you see their experiences and you realize that everyone has adversity. Everyone has something painful happen to them, no matter what level it is, it's real to them and relevant to them. And that's the one thing that I realize when I feel those moments and I start feeling bad or like lack, uh, instead of abundance, um, I get into a meditative state. I take deep breaths and I go back and remember some of the people that I've helped and, and how much it meant to me to be able to do something for them and, and what their response to me was for seeing them. And I have to do that too. I have to pull up images of positive times. And a colleague of mine said, we need to create joy banks. Mm. You need to create a bank in front of your heart where you put joyful moments, nice things people have done for you, moments where you felt, and they're usually small things, right? Mm -hmm. In life, they're not it's not that big promotion or getting up on that stage and mm -hmm. giving that speech. It's that person coming up to you afterward and saying, you, you know, I, I, I really resonated with what you said to change my life. Mm -hmm. Those moments have to be kept 
in a place that's special Mm -hmm. and called upon because we all hit those down moments. I do as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you wonder, why is it happening? Could it be my hormones? And I know we've, we talked a little bit about being a perimenopausal right before. Yep. Uh, could it be a, a shift in something? I, I uh, had thyroid cancer and had my thyroid removed about 14 years ago. Oh, my I'm God. Cancer free, which is great. But I have to take medicine to keep my spirits up. That's what your thyroid does. And maybe I need different medicine. But my point is, it happens to all of us. And so this is a really good piece of advice of finding those moments that you can think about. And I think you're right. Also, you've got to get your mind in an accepting state, Mm -hmm. which -hmm. is the meditation, right? The breathing. Yeah. You have to consciously make the choice to say that whole thing about gratitude and being grateful for what you do have. It's, it's absolutely so important. It sounds frivolous. It sounds silly, but it works when you start making a list I, d- I write things down too to remind myself like of all the things or I do my mantras in the morning or my my affirmations, you know, those things help me because they keep me in that state of abundance instead of like what I don't have because I'm really grateful. I've come from nothing and I, I have more than I need and I, and I feel very blessed. Well, and then you're giving back to all the rest of us as a result of that. Thank you. This has uh, been an interview with Alyssa Fisher Harris who has a wonderful podcast called A World on Purpose. And I urge you to look for it, worldonpurpose.com and to go to countable.com, which is a new platform that you can use to create a, a, a community and a community of people who are making change happen inside of corporations or brands. Mm-hmm. Today, we've been talking about adversity and how hard that can be on you, but how you can come out of it. And I've learned a lot from listening to Alyssa. You'll have to think through what your purpose is in life and be connected to that. And as Alyssa said, and I have found, if you can connect yourself to a higher purpose, uh, something good that you can do in the world where you can make real change happen. And I've used this before, of course, Gandhi's words, be the change you want to see in the world. If you can do that, it pulls you to another level of satisfaction and happiness and gives you a sense of calmness. Uh, and purpose in your life that is very redeeming. So I urge all of us to think about that as we go through these difficult times in the pandemic and we're coming out of it. I think as we come out of it, we redefine who we want to be, who we want to be in the world and how we want to be. So thank you, Alyssa, for your advice. I'll be listening to those podcasts. Mm -hmm. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Helping Women and Men Lead and Succeed. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. You can turn to the Fraser Communications website for more information about my advertising and marketing firm that helps companies do the work that Alyssa is talking about in brand reputation and brand strength, but also to hear our podcasts. Uh, we have over 100 interviews that we've done. Happy to have you listen to those at FraserCommunications.com. Again, have a wonderful week ahead. <music>